episode we put out since we launched the podcast because um, we recorded episode one and two before um, we made the podcast live. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened so far. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly blown away um, by the positive response we've had so far. So I'm glad you guys are getting something out of it. So I'd like to welcome today's guest to the podcast. Uh, he's been around the block. He's been uh, working on and off in the arts for about a good 12 years. He's been a stand-up. He's been an actor, and now he's a screenwriter. It is the wonderful Chris Townsend. How are you doing today, Chris? How are you doing? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to have a little. It's nice to have a little chat in it in an afternoon. You've done radio before, right? So you'll be you'll be more of a natural of this than me. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I've done I've done done radio with a with a few mistakes thrown in, but you know, <laughs> could have got me in some legal trouble, but. Ah, okay. Well, there's lots of mistakes here. And thankfully, our brilliant editor, Elliot, just he'll, he catches them out. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on. Let's talk about your you know, earliest creative memories uh, when you sort of first realised you wanted to work in the arts or were interested mm-hmm. in creativity. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think to a point, it was always something, like, I, th- I think even from childhood, I think you can always kind of tell if somebody's that way inclined. You know, I was always messing about playing games, making up stories, like drawing stuff. I'd make like ridiculous props from like shows that I watched out of cereal boxes to play with and just like, you know, mad stuff like that. And then, um, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I grew up with a lot of like Marvel stuff and kind of Stanley and the cartoons and things like that. And and then kind of as you get, you know, get older and moved into there were certain authors and different films and stuff and yeah, I suppose as I kind of entered, kind of sort of got around late middle school, secondary school, I kind of went, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, this is kind of an area that I, that I would like to work in, I guess, one day. Because um, <clears throat> I wasn't really, apart from graphic design, which I ended up with a G with at GCSE, <laughs> um, there wasn't really much else I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you have to kind of follow what the universe is telling you, I guess. So like, was there anything on the telly when you were a kid that you remember, you know, or a film or anything you remember and maybe resonating with and that inspired the sort of things you were doing? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, so my, I kind of grew up very much in the the era of like Buffy. Mm-hmm. And I remember. But what so, year is that for the youngsters that are listening? So Buffy started in 97, ran 97 to 2003. So it ended when I was 16. And so obviously like Joss Whedon was a big influence, but I remember when they, you know, when they spun off Angel and then you had those kind of two yeah. shows running together that would cross over and those elements would overlap. That at the time blew my mind. Like it's such a simple thing now. Spin-offs are like a pretty common thing. But I remember that was something that I was like, oh my God, like that's picked up in this show and then crossed over to that one. And that was something, you know, really cool that I remember probably the earliest. That's probably the moment where I, I, I can kind of recognise myself noticing the writing and how something yeah. is actually put together. So that's, yeah, probably probably the earliest one. <clears throat> and you mentioned before at school, there was a teacher that had quite a big influence on you and your early sort of 
creative journey, right? Is that a drama? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, uh, a lovely lady called um, Caroline Thompson, who was my drama teacher. I was actually just very, very lucky how the kind of the structuring worked over my school years. Yeah. But I ended up having her for the full six years from year eight to sixth form. Uh, so, you know, I was lucky to have somebody that really got me enthused about drama and was able to build that relationship with. She saw me yeah. develop. I was able to kind of build a working relationship with her that extended into, you know, a friendship out, outside of, you know, after school. Um, and, you know, through that that kind of interest in, in, in drama coupled with, you know, the stuff I was watching, it was it would and it was something that I was good at you know it was always those lessons where I was always going in and it wasn't necessarily about the 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 grades or the work it was it was me kind of going in going yeah I I have a handle on this I understand it I seem to to know what it's about and have an interest in it and so you just follow it through and so at that age and at that time did you sort of have a particular like role in the arts that you wanted to do or you were good at I know you sort of mentioned right in there was the drama stuff were you more interested to acting or were you like just sort of enjoying the overall storytelling of it? Yes, interesting. You you've you've used that word storytelling because I would say that although initially, you know, obviously everyone does drama and they like the performing and they like the acting, which is something that I always had an interest in. Mm-hmm. I think you know, if anybody wanted to sum up and ask me like, what do you want to do or what did you want to do, and that is to tell stories. Yeah, and if that if that is me making the words or saying somebody else's words or developing like in whatever way that that comes and that that develops just yeah storytelling I suppose is as a blanket term yeah that that's actually really interesting to me because I think that word storytelling is key for me as well because I'm similar in the similar sense to you I've done a lot of different creative things so far <laughs> And although I've done, you know, the screenwriting MA and stuff, and I, I'm interested in that, I feel like I'm not, I don't just see myself as like a writer. I kind of, I feel like I'm more interested in telling stories overall, whether that be, you know, whatever format. So I think yeah. I can totally resonate with that. Yeah. Because I know you've done a bit of, you've done a bit of set running and various things like that. Yeah. And even that to a point, like those, what would be considered like the starter roles or the kind of lower roles yeah. on the ladder things like that you are participating in creating a product and creating a story so i think it's that e- even to that degree yeah it's yeah. all like a process isn't it even mm. i guess podcasting you know you're sort of telling us your story so I, I find that interesting as well yeah sorry sorry to sorry for your listeners for that <laughs> <laughs> no not at all if anyone's still <laughs> listening by this point we'll be i'll be very happy um hello hungary just in case you're back whoever you are yeah, we, we got some listeners in hungary so wherever you are thank you very much no, uh, yeah, so you're at, this is at school, and you're from Milton Keynes, I, I forgot to mention at the start, that you, you grew up in Milton Keynes, right? I am, yes. Yeah. What's, what was that like to grow up in? Did that Im- influence your sort of storytelling at all? Or You know, quite the opposite, and this is something that I've kind of learned over this last year, is Milton Keynes is a fine enough place to grow up in, but it's not it's not until you kind of leave it for a prolonged period of time and go back when you realise two things. You realise, A, there's nothing there, unless you want to work in recruitment, retail or education. And B, when you leave it for a prolonged period of time and you're mixing with people from all different walks of life and different areas, you actually realise that because the place has no history, I myself, I feel like I don't have any sense of cultural identity mm. to a point because I've just come from a place that that almost has no identity of its own. And that's something I think with writing that I've really struggled with. It's like I, I have such an average vanilla background and i wish i just had some like interesting life from an interesting place but 
it's it was all it's just it's so average that that has has kind of been quite difficult on the right hand side yeah. of things. So is, um, is sorry, I don't know a lot about Milton Keynes being a, being a Scotsman and all that, but is Milton Keynes a new town? Yes. So I'll, actually, I'll give you a few interesting facts for people that don't <laughs> know. Um, it was so it started to be built in the sixties, and then it kind of assimilated ah. a few surrounding villages. We are known for Nadia from Bake Off. Um, the train station was the united nations building in superman 4 uh we have uh cliff richard's music video wired for sound was filmed in the shopping center um and that is pretty much it no, <laughs> pretty much all we got that, that's interesting because um where i'm from in glen Roth is also a new town and it was i think built similar times sort of early 60s type thing and it is also an overspill now um, so I, I've never felt that myself. I have to say, I, I did sort of feel that there wasn't a lot there growing up, and I still feel like that now when I go back. <laughs> um, but like I've never felt thought about it in the sense like I don't have a lot to say, and that, I just find that interesting. Maybe that's you being modest on yourself or something, or feeling like an imposter, perhaps. Um, I don't know. It's just like I listen to I don't know. I listen to you know people have such like rich sort of stories of of, of places they grew up and hmm. and you know I mean there was very I mean I think one of the most interesting things that probably happened to me as a kid was we went and checked out a factory that blew up <laughs> when I was about twelve, and that was like that was it. That was pretty much like one of the most or, or went down a storm drain. You know there wasn't really. Um, much there in terms of sort of interesting rich I mean I've always wanted to write something set there I've always wanted because because it's never really been seen on screen but then I kind of go does anyone want to yeah (laughs) don't want to see it but I think there's a beauty in normality and that's something I always try and put into my work when I write is you know looking at things that maybe there isn't a lot of drama maybe on on paper but there actually is if you look at it closely. Well, I suppose that's applicable anywhere. I mean, like, I mean, like, like anywhere in on you know in in the UK or around the world. I mean, there is there's different sides to Milton Keynes. I mean, certainly there's there's places you definitely wouldn't wouldn't want to drive through with your windows down. <laughs> you know, there's gang wars and stuff in certain places. But uh, uh, and then there's there's the really nice areas. So there is there is I'm sure there's rich stories there but so certainly out of my just, periphery just to move the conversation on to it because i feel like we're speaking before we go on a tangent about you know hometowns and stuff which is yeah totally- sorry milton Keynes. <laughs> i know they're never going to want you back now <laughs> um so you through this teacher at school who's a big influence so what do you say their name was again her name is caroline Carol. so you joined a, a theater company from her right yeah so um actually this is probably one of the biggest influence of of developing story is the she she ran a community theater group that I joined so when I was so when I was 16 so I I was at that out of the seven of eight years because one of the years I was in New York which I'm sure we'll talk about but um so yeah it was a company called Ludamus and the really cool thing about them was they they didn't do existing plays when I was there so that's why a lot of my theater experience is original content so they would have an idea every year of what they wanted to do and then the development process from sort of like October until the show went up in July yeah. would be um, through workshopping, hot seating, uh, you know, rough script work, character development. And, and you would spend six months kind of crafting this story world and crafting this show. Everybody in the group, everybody in the workshops. And that was that was amazing. Like, And I think that's that's probably had a huge influence on on my interest in developing story and, and, and world building because to, to be able to do that annually every year and then obviously as I got older I was you know given a bit more opportunity to kind of you know like contribute a little bit more to the writing and things not 
not a lot, but it was great. And I learned, you know, I kind of learned the, the basic workings of how a, a theatre company works and was, you know, anything from prop building to costuming to, so I've got a, you know, a bit of experience in everything. And I, that kind of working methodology of building story and developing stuff I carried through when I set up Intangible and I kind of did my own theatre work and I suppose in terms of my writing but that was yeah hugely influential yeah and and was it from there that you sort of decided I'm going to go and do your because you did an undergrad in film studies right to begin I did, with. yeah yeah that I kind of developed more of an interest in the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. and then when I got to uni uh, I did film creative writing and drama but after a year of drama I kind of realized the course wasn't offering me and what I wanted so I what university did you go to <laughs> I I went to I went to Buckinghamshire Chilterns University in High Wycombe okay. and halfway through I literally went to the uni as they were knocking it down and rebuilding <laughs> it they rebranded as Bucks New University so I graduated from Bucks New University and then after after year one I switched from drama to video production just to get a bit more hands-on with filmmaking. Ah, okay. And then it was after that, when I came out, I kind of thought I wanted to go down the more practical filmmaking route, but realized that actually I didn't care about lenses and like, you know, things. And I was like, oh, I just, I kind of want to, I want to do this, but I don't, I don't have enough of an interest in the technical side of it. So, so is your undergrad was did you graduate in video production then or was it film studies with video production type? film with creative writing and video production okay so it was quite a a, a varied course quite a broad course yeah then, which... um, I mean it wasn't it wasn't the best I mean I found out I didn't do A levels. I did a B tech, mm. but I found out all you needed to get onto it was like three Ds at A level or something appalling, and I was actually mortified. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you learned stuff there, and I'm sure it was an interesting time for you, and you, you yeah. must have some creative people as well. Yeah, it's just the High Wickham is not not a. <laughs> I'm really sorry to the people of High Wickham. Like I've already slagged off Milton Keynes, but High Wickham is not a get, nice you're gonna place. Going to get banned from all these places when you make it big. I don't intend to go back to High Wickham anytime soon, so don't worry. About <laughs> yeah. So is it? So you did this undergrad, and how old are you now when you graduate? Sorry. When I graduated, I was twenty-one. So I graduated in 08. So you're twenty-one, and you think I kind of want to work in film at this point. So mm-hmm. you're kind of like oh, I think I'll work in the film industry. Was that sort yeah. of where you were at? Yeah. So my my plan was. I had a very I had a very specific plan is what I would do is while I was looking for internships or work experience or things like that I needed to earn money for for various reasons so I got a job as a teaching assistant so I started working in education um this this was just so just after I graduated the summer of 2008 I was I did uh, worked in New York through Camp America I worked at a film school oh, really? uh, and then when I got back I got a job as a TA in a school and then my intention was to do that while I was looking for other opportunities. And what I, I mean, I ended up getting some some unpaid work with a small uh, music video production company and not a lot else. And suddenly before I knew it, I'd worked in the education sector for like three years. Yeah. Still talking- like writing and, and mm-hmm. doing stuff and, you know, took a foray into stand up and was just like trying different things. So what were you teaching Until I, at this point? So were you just working in education as like a, an English teacher? Yeah, no, 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 no. So I had several roles. I kind of so right. support staff. So I, I right, worked I as a te- teaching assistant and um, I worked as a I worked as a drama practitioner at my old secondary school. So this was like a specially funded position through right. Arts Council England and then ended up working as a performing arts technician at a mm-hmm. school, um, which was cool because, I you know, I got to learn. I mean, my office was a music studio. 
a recording <laughs> yeah. studio. So I got to, you know, learn another string to my bow. Yeah, um, you've got such a, I know we're only, a, like, been speaking for like 20 minutes or whatever, but you've got, it's just, <laughs> I just find it so interesting how many different creative avenues you've done. You're like almost a jack of all trades, really. You've got so much experience. Yeah, master of absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, I mean. And it was through, so it was through that last teaching job um, which was not well not teaching but last education job which was horrendous it was a horrendous experience I tip my hat to anyone who wants to be a teacher but that I'd had enough of education at that point oh yeah and it was through a, a, a teacher I met there who's now still a very good friend of mine Dan Phillips who's a who's now a director um I kind of got my first couple of proper acting credits through okay. him enough that could get me on spotlight right. so I kind of turned back towards towards acting um after doing sort of making a couple of short films with this company, yeah. doing stand up for 18 months. And then, yeah, then suddenly kind of sat, found myself in the, uh, in the freelance world for a few years. And how, and how old are you at this point when you, so you kind of leave education almost then, right? Yeah. So I stopped working in education. So 2011, so I was 24. Okay. And then I, so I'd done, I'd done a couple of plays with Dan. We'd done a small tour of art by Yasmina Reza, which is a really good play. Uh, we'd done Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is another like a, a weird musical show about a, a German, a German transsexual. Uh, and we'd done we'd done a couple of projects together. And then basically I'd got enough credits that I I, I tricked my way onto Spotlight, to be honest, because they shouldn't have approved the credits. They shouldn't have approved yeah. them at all. Can I just um, what Spotlight is? So Spotlight is the professional casting website for actors. Um, most agents require you to have a Spotlight page. So when I'd managed to get myself on Spotlight, I could then start looking for an agent. Mm. But they shouldn't have accepted me with the credits that they. I'm sorry, Spotlight. <laughs> uh, you're probably uh, whatever. You're not going to have me back. But I've just how many things have I just slacked off in this podcast already? Um, so yeah, I and then so once I left that, my first like I suppose I then I then did a I did a small touring panto, and then I kind of started just to do like small bits of acting work for the next. Yeah seven years so, sorry just to go back just one second what was the first what was so you talked about these credits that you shouldn't have what was the credit in acting what was your sort of first little thing you did there so i've been doing it well obviously everything that i had been doing through school and uni mm. school college uni and then yeah so it was I, th I think to get onto spotlight you need to have studied at an accredited institution which i didn't i did audition for central school of speech and drama and i got through to the final stage right uh unfortunately didn't get in so I think it was art, Hedwig, and there was two. There was two other things that miraculously they approved me. Technically, they weren't actually paid jobs, so I shouldn't have been approved. But as soon as I had that spotlight key, then I was able to start looking for an agent. Yeah, and you got one, didn't you? Uh, I in, in the space of hold on, let me let me calculate this. Let me mentally calculate <laughs> this. Uh, one, two, three, four. Five. I think in the space of five years, I had six agents. Oh, wow! <laughs> through various, through various reasons, <laughs> yeah, a multitude of reasons. But I went through that spotlight thing, right? Or did you sort of have to find some yourself? No, I mean, you just you just apply and you audition and you send CVs out. Uh, my first agency that I was with um, for about six months were clearly not what they said they were. Ah, okay. I then ended up with a lovely lady who I'm not going to name mm. for a year because once I signed my second six-month contract with her, she just stopped talking to me. Um, 
<laughs> then yeah the next few agencies like one shut down it's just that's the thing man like that's the industry like you just have to find like yes they're looking for actors but you also have to find agencies that work for you and i'm not like i wasn't a big time actor i was like small fry you know sort of small agencies small jobs but all the while gaining that you know gaining different experiences oh that's that's some really interesting stuff so you do the sort of you do the acting stuff and how, how long so you say five years you had six agents in five, yeah, in five years, I went through six agents. So I started, I suppose, I got my first, although through the stuff I'd done with Dan, yeah. my actual, like, proper first professional paid job was 2011. Right. Uh, and But I didn't get my first agent until 2013. Okay. So I'd done, I'd done a few, you know, you're talking about, like, worst jobs and stuff. Mm. I don't know if I've ever had a worst part-time job, but there was definitely... The end, but, yeah, but you can talk a bit about it now if you want. <laughs> We'll come to it, but in in that time period was definitely definitely the worst job I've ever had. Okay. And it was these, so this acting work. Were you on sort of touring? You said pantomimes. You were sort of touring around the country in these plays, right? Yeah, I did. It was it was only so the theatre stuff was only small scale stuff. So like tiny tours. Like initially, again, because I was starting off, so it was like those small like shows that you'd get going to schools and then <clears throat> I did a couple I did a couple more plays with Dan and then kind of landed a few commercials what, what were the commercials do you remember any of them yeah yeah I did I did a there's a big casino chain called Aspers okay um they've got a few branches up and down the country and I managed to get a few I got a few commercials with them uh, I managed to get a few bits of extras work as well and small things and this is a thing like anybody that I dispute anybody that says if you're pursuing or you want to be taken seriously as an actor, you shouldn't do extras work. You should, because any experience that you can get on a set is only going to be a learning experience. Like I, I, I mean, I've spoken about this before, but I was lucky enough to get a day on the second Avengers movie. Wow. And there I am in the middle of a, of a Hollywood set, watching and being able to see yeah. you know, how the third AD works with the crowds and how the crew works and how, so any experience that you can get even as an you know, even as an extra, I think is 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 invaluable. Definitely, no, definitely, most definitely. second avenger was that the what one's that again age of ultron age of ultron um i did a day on downton abbey as well but that was oh. that was very that was very much cut down to basically an extra but i yeah i did a few yeah a few few commercials few extra stuff few uh, a tv like tv and bits and small theater and it's so a last year actually i got a phone call i got some royalties through from crime watch which was quite exciting <laughs> um yeah, forty-two pounds worth of royalties. Can oh, you believe? Wow. <laughs> Do you have any of these adverts anywhere? Like, are they online? Do you have any copies of them? Uh, I, I, I do have copies of them. Cool. I we do might, have we copies might, of we them. Ask for that yeah, after the pub. We'll come back to that. <laughs> there is a funny. Can I tell a funny anecdote actually about that? I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but my dislike of Kira Knightley is quite well known. Just as an actress, I'm not a fan. Okay, just uh, as an actress. And I, I went to see, you know, the uh, Intimidation game about the Enigma machine during World War II. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I literally just bought a ticket just to see my own advert on screen and then left. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good film, by the way. Very Never good. seen it still. Never seen it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's amazing, though. So how? So you, the, the, the acting years, right? That that was your full time. Like that was what you supported yourself with, right? For no, that. God, no, no, no one who's starting off acting can support himself full time with it. Oh, okay, so it was a mixture of. I mean, admittedly, like this, this was like I. Oh God, I mean, there was points where I was freelancing as an actor. Mm. I was bouncing on and off of job seekers. I at one, I mean, I was working like part-time in like two different theaters i worked at like a uh this is a weird thing but i worked at a, a, a as a, a spy mission place which sounds really weird but <laughs> and i was just juggling like all these little like pockets of jobs i like drove for a library and sort of the early early 2000s and then i ended up falling alongside the acting falling into doing promotional work uh, which is really well paid and so i was kind of so yeah i was freelancing as both a creative and as doing like promo work which a lot of which a lot of performers do i think a lot of people who are interested in this podcast and who this podcast has kind of been you know for can relate to that sort of lifestyle of having mm. to freelance and support your yeah. creative work and you definitely so you moved to edmund 2015 right and you come and how how does that happen you come up to do a show at the fringe is that how you yeah. in edinburgh so i had um so me and a friend set up our own little theater thing down in milton Keynes. Um, and we did two shows, one in 2014, one in 2015. Um, but between those, in 2015, I had uh, basically in 2015, I had had a breakup and was feeling feeling pretty rubbish because kind of work was drying up and I was a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then my friend Dan was doing, uh, he was bringing a show up to the fringe and uh, basically said, well, look, if you, I was like, dude, just give me anything, like help me out, just like <laughs> give me something to do, like put me in anything. Yeah. And uh, he basically said, well, if you want to come and like, I'll check with the with the main guy, if you want to just come up and be our technician for the show. And I was like, great, I can sit just for a month pushing a button on an iPad, <laughs> see some great shows, come to a city I've never been to, hmm. came up. This did, is 2014 or 2015, sorry. 20, this is 2015. Okay. So this was a show called International Stud that was at Sea Venues. Okay. Um, and I came up and if you want to be poetic about it, uh, <laughs> I, I, I basically I met I met someone when I was up here, so I kind of fell in love twice with the city and oh. with someone else. Oh, um, and uh, yeah, I lo- loved Edinburgh. So over the next year, mm. kind of was visiting and kind of building sort of relationships here. And then I didn't really have anything going on at home. I was lucky that I had no commitments, no attachments, no kind of proper employment opportunities so i just like uprooted and just moved up here man just moved up in 2016 in the july hmm. uh so i've lived here four and a half years wow and when you moved to Denver, were you still acting at the point as well so you, did you spend time trying to be an actor when you were here yeah so i yes well <laughs> i i need to be very diplomatic what i what how i say this so i moved up because i knew obviously i was moving to a big arts you know edinburgh is like the biggest arts festival you've got a lot of stuff hmm. happening in glasgow yeah. I moved up, but obviously had interviewed for proper jobs just okay. because I needed to. Uh, so I fell in, luckily I fell into a, a couple of jobs when I came up here um, and was still doing, yeah, I did I did a couple of shows. I did a couple of fringe shows, uh, managed to get myself a new agent, did a couple of corporate films. And then through personal circumstances, which I have to be quite diplomatic about, uh, I kind of put that aside and worked more full time. Okay. Various reasons. And then it was kind of being inspired by what was happening with somebody else. And for, I mean, to be honest, I'd wanted to do a master's for like 10 years and could, yeah. well, I mean, initially, 
initially <laughs> i couldn't do the masters i wanted to because of some legal issues not my legal issues oh, but that's okay. a funny story um and i'd wanted to do an ma for about 10 years and so i basically while i was up here i was like well it actually and not to sound mercenary it's actually cheaper to do an ma in scotland than it is england yeah it's true i made sure i'd lived here long enough <laughs> to, to take advantage yeah that immigrant he comes in he crosses the border he, you know um <laughs> and i'll get back to milton Keynes, even though they banned you now <laughs> yeah. so uh and that yes yeah, so that's kind of why i just because it was more it was more affordable oh, to, to yeah do it. and of course that's how we know each other chris so we meet on the ma screenwriting course yeah and you did you're part time so you're currently still on the course now yes yeah and, you know how have you found that um i mean i enjoyed my year there but how did you find your first year and now and now your second year there how's it been great i, I to be honest i'm torn whether i regret not doing it full time or not i think if i'd have done it full time i'd have obviously been really devastated that it would have ended with covid and not yeah. being able to graduate was, and things one of the sort of weird one i think um we were luckier than the film students of it because at least we're you can do writing from home and yeah. um you know we still like james and nigel our lecturers did a great job of delivering the course mm. Remotely, but it was a weird. I mean, I hated being in the house and not seeing, you know, fellow writers. To you know, because you bounce off other people, don't you? Yeah, you go for coffee yeah. with someone and you get ideas. So I think the nicest, the nicest thing about doing it part time is you, you basically get to meet twice as many of the contacts. Yeah, you, know, you get like a whole second year. And uh, yeah, sorry, Jamie, but they're they're better than they're better than year one. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the new guys are amazing. I don't miss you at all. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding, of course, but. Um, no, I'm happy I'm doing it part-time because I think if everything kind of normalises a bit next year, it will be nice to kind of end it properly, you know. Yeah, hopefully. No, totally fair. So now we're sort of on to the, the screen empire. Just could you talk a bit about your writing style or what sort of things you like to write? I don't, yeah, I don't know if I have a style. You'd probably have to ask, you'd probably have to ask James, who's sadly had to read so much of my stuff. Um, mm. I... I guess, you know, it comes, it comes back to that sense of identity, I think. You ask me what I like to write, and I honestly don't know. I don't have a fixed... Like, I know yourself, you always tend to write about awkward young men in romantic <laughs> situations. Like, that's your do thing. I, do do yeah. I? <laughs> I don't really have a fixed... Uh, I, I suppose I just... I write what comes to me. I like genre stuff, but I like kind of maybe yeah. contemporary genre... Like, contemporary stuff with a hint of, like, something weird creeping in. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to write, you know, a big budget sci-fi, or at least I do. But it's trying to curb. I think for me at the minute, it's trying to curb those sensibilities into something more contemporary and grounded and, and, and affordable. Yeah, yeah, and makeable. Yeah, I, I, I am sorry for that question because I actually struggle with that. We've seen people say, "What's your writing style?" Um, I never really know how to explain it. So yeah, I know that's a annoying question. Um, My writing style is amazing. So if anybody's listening to this, I'm a, I am. I am a shit hot economic writer with just like so so much subtext and so minimal, but I'm amazing. Yeah, like buy my stuff. Uh, That's my style. No, I definitely say from reading your short stuff anyway that you. I think you've got you, there's always a bit of comicness in your work. You're very comical. Like there's always a little bit. Of, there's a comic comedic yeah. subtones all your work. Definitely, I'd say it's interesting you've said that because somebody asked me once. I did a podcast with with my mate Daniel, I mentioned earlier, and he once said to me, what do you look for in a film? And I said, it doesn't matter what the film is, what genre it is, or what it is, I always want to laugh once. Ah, okay. So 
but I think that's quite if you've noticed that in my writing that's no definitely there's always you know some of it's batshit in a good way I think <laughs> that's a compliment yeah yeah um so actually speaking about that is there's an example of a film you love that does that or scripts that do that that you really like that anyone could go and watch that's a really good question uh I would probably oh who's re- just people that are really good undercutting the tension I think I, I think again it comes back to I mean for all the kind of controversial stuff that's perhaps been said about him over the last couple of years uh like Joss Whedon's really good he's one of those good writers who undercuts the tension perfectly like in a dramatic moment and then there'll be like a line he's really good at doing that so any of his work I mean is um obviously Cabin in the Woods uh, <laughs> Serenity like the Firefly series even like I suppose even like you know the first two Avengers because he wrote those but um, he's somebody that's really good at undercutting the tension. But in terms of the sensibilities of of the kind of stuff that I like to write, the last couple of years I've really been looking at um, Britt Marling and Zalbat Manglidge, who did uh, Another Earth, Sound of My Voice, The OA on Netflix, The East, which I haven't seen yet. I've not seen any of these films. I'll take a note of them though and check them out. Sound of My Voice is Sound of My Voice is that and X. Ex- Machina by oh, Alex Garland. That is a that's a very good, very. Good they film. are basically the two films that it's like somebody opened my head and pulled out exactly what I'd want to do. I think. So you kind of touched on it earlier, and I kind of, you know, urge you to wait till the end. But I ask everyone that comes on, what's the worst part-time job you'd ever done, or the worst job you'd ever had to work? To be fair, I don't know why I'm limiting it into part-time, because it could be any, but what's the worst job you'd had to work to support your art? Can I do two? Because there's two you very different examples. One, mate. If you have good stories, just keep going for it. Sweet. So, right, so the two the two worst jobs. So in terms of like a part-time, when I was doing promo work, uh, I need to be careful not to mention any names, but I there was, a new, there was a new year. This was new year 2014, and I was asked to basically 200 quid it was 200 quid i was asked to i think i negotiated my own fee lay out a red carpet event at the casino near my house Um, and basically i had to go and like get the get the carpet out of this like it was a fucking dumpster like if there's no other way to describe it get this red carpet all the like the poles with the the you know the ropes and and shit lay it out tape it to the ground and like set up this was the middle of winter i was ill it was absolutely freezing and basically this carpet was so damp that like it it couldn't be ironed out it couldn't be flattened so they're bringing like hoovers out of the casino to try and like dry and like flatten it and eventually i just got so depressed there was a point where i nearly cried because i was like my life i'm so desperate for money this is what my life has come to I basically texted the guy and was like, we can't do it. The carpet's ruined. It's not happening. Don't even pay me. I don't want the money because I haven't done the job. And he, he paid me because he was like, oh, I appreciate the effort. Oh, and so I still got the 200. And then <laughs> it was New Year's Eve. It was New Year's Eve, actually, because then I was designated driver that night for my mates. And then the other one, I, I want to name the company because they treated us so badly. You can do that. I, I did ask Lev on episode one to name the company and she couldn't. But you can, if you want to name them. Right. I'm not going to edit it out. There is, there is a, a small theatre company that shares a name with a popular suite and rapper and a, like a, like a rapper and a, and, a, and a small suite. I'm not going to say the name, but you know. Single-handedly the worst job I've ever had. Okay. My tour manager, there's no other word to describe her, was an utter psychopath. And we ended up in this is this is an important lesson for people listening. 
we ended up doing a show in a holiday park that was in the middle of an industrial estate. And they basically lied about the size of the venue. So we right. couldn't even fit the set up. Oh my we God. had no set. The sound system broke. And it was like four dickheads in costumes just <laughs> dancing around in front of black curtains. And at the end, they wanted the guy playing Captain Hook to be Santa and give gifts out to the kids. And he refused to do it because we just wanted to go home. <laughs> and, and they basically bought in. Sorry. They basically bought in this like terrible Santa suit that was like a, like a pound shop, like foam beard mm. and like like a felt beard and a jacket. And it was the most depressing, most depressing day of my life. But during it, I was very, very aware that moment I had hit rock bottom. Aww. And I think when you're aware you're hitting rock bottom, that's a very, very uplifting and powerful experience because mm. you know that it's not going to get any worse. Okay, that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it. Uh, and I was like, do you know what? Whatever happens in my life from now on, I'm never going to be here again. Wow. What? How would we then? So I was 20. I was 25. And actually, I took that job with a week's notice. I got a phone call. I had to video over audition and I packed and left. Mm. And the reason I did, I lost a, I lost a friend of mine very, very young. He passed mm. away in his sleep. Okay. And... I was just having a bit of a thing where I was like, you know what, I I could die tomorrow. So let's just like, this is short notice. Let's just go and tour for four months. Okay, fair enough. And it was the most miserable, misery-inducing experience of my life. And if anyone's worked out the name of that company, good, because I would encourage you to stay the hell away from them. <laughs> Jesus. No, I appreciate yeah. how honest you've been. I know we're kind of laughing because it it's one of those ones that is quite funny, but it's also kind of like, I, I feel bad as well. And Mate, I've been banned from so many things in like the space of 35 minutes, like oh, the amount of stuff I've just... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably the worst, probably. But I've done hmm. my, my, as we were saying earlier, the range of jobs I've done and like all at once as well. No, it's it, mate. I, I'm honestly a lot of respect for you because, like, you know, for keeping going and, and you know trying to pursue your art career because a lot of people give up. Like, you know, that's so true because I think that to my friends, there's three of us who mm. kind of pursue the arts to different degrees, and there's one of us. If he's listen, if he listens to this, he's going to know who he is, and he's going to be so angry at what I'm about to say. <laughs> but I do, I do get the feeling that. He does sometimes look at us and he's just like waiting for us to grow up and become adults. Yeah. And we never will. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, mate, you know, you you sold your soul to the mature, the mature adult life. Not uh, not for me, not yet. I feel like um, that, yeah. No. It's speaking about uh, styles and writing and stuff, that's something I feel that always comes into my writing. And I don't know why, it's not a deliberate, but I feel like I always write characters that want to work in the arts. And then there's, there's always sort of another character who doesn't get it. And yeah, maybe that's why I made this podcast. Maybe it's uh, subconscious. <laughs> but you're also writing from, you know, you're writing from your experience. Okay. And I think, you know, the, the fortunate thing with me is my my seasoned years and my, my, my miserable attempts to trying to find money. <laughs> Is I've got I've had a lot of like different diverse experiences. Like I can't write in detail about a lot mm. of things, but if you want anything written about, you know, working in a butcher's or being a spy or taping a carpet down in the middle of winter, or <laughs> you know, offending a beloved national treasure on the server of a TV show, and I've got you know I can probably 
No, hold on. Right, if right, a few things. Did, did you did you say you offended a natural treasure? I did. I you did. Can't say that intentionally without telling that story on the podcast. Oh, I don't know because it's a big. It's it's like a big a big actress. So why I, don't I why don't we leave the name out? You can tell me privately after this, and you can just tell the story. And we'll, we'll there, okay. Fake, yeah, we can give her a fake name. Make up a name. Okay. So. Well, no, because I have to tell you the show. Actually, I'm not even going to tell you the show. Okay. Um, but I, I was on, I was on a set working on a show, and there's a very, very uh, aged, beloved actress who they, they have to shoot. They were shooting around her to a degree, just yeah. because certain different certain things were, you know, diff, difficult for her to do. And I was asked by the third day by the no, I was asked by the I think I was asked by the assistant director. It was like, oh, Chris, can you can you give her a hand just as she's coming out of this thing can, if she needs it and I was like great absolutely fine so I just sort of held out my hand as requested and because she she looked at me like I was handing her a piece of dog shit <laughs> <laughs> and it literally broke my heart and there was another oh. actress with her both of them I was really big fans of and both of them oh. just looked at me like I was an absolute peasant it's not nice to hear though because you'd think people would be respectful well, the, the worst thing is I was wearing a glove. It's not even like they had to touch my poor man's hands. Do you know what I mean? I was wearing a glove. Were you an extra at this point? I, yeah, it pretty much got, sadly, sadly, it pretty much got relegated to an extra. I might have mentioned the show earlier in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Can, I, I know what the show was, but I wouldn't remind people. That you, if you want to, you're going to have to can, the podcast again, you know? <laughs> yeah, they can make up, they can try and decide what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be very diplomatic. Okay, so um, I just, I wanted to just... Um, Another thing I quickly wanted to ask you about before I forget is, what can you talk about about your stand up? I'm interested <laughs> in that. Yeah, what tell yeah. us about stand up. Yeah, man. So that was so back in 2010, a dear friend of mine. But uh, I'm again, I just everyone knows who it is. I'm not going to name him, bless him, but he was a big fan of stand up. Right. And it was something that in the back of my mind I'd always wanted to do. Okay. And so he kind of said, "Oh, I'm going to go to an open mic night and I'm going to do some stand up." And me being a bit of the arrogant dick that I was and I was like oh man if you're gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'd probably do it better like just just you know being a bit of an arsehole mm. so yeah did did a did an open mic night which went pretty well but I was smart you know we we filled the audience of like 12 of our mates oh, yeah. um <laughs> and I ended up for yeah for about 18 months kind of doing I did I did a charity i did a charity gig i mean i never made any money off it and that's kind of one of the reasons i stopped is it, it is it effectively just became quite an expensive hobby but it was fun to do you know i did a few open mic nights in london northampton kind of was traveling around little places and doing five ten minute slots and again one of those things i'd always wanted to try and thought i i can do it and got some funny stories out of it but after about 18 months i kind of ran dry and it just became expensive traveling around and then but luckily i've had such a horrendous year this year that i've actually managed to start writing some material again so so uh, just another question with the stand-up because it always interests me how does that compare to acting because i suppose you're getting on a stage but you're kind of being yourself whereas when you act you're kind of being a character so i guess terrifying absolutely terrifying it it is it is a very different thing because you're not hiding behind a character i mean unless you kind of craft a bit of a a stage character um but yeah oh god no it's absolutely terrifying because you you don't have that that security blanket of a costume and pre-prepared lines and yeah well i mean they're they're pre-prepared but yeah you are you and it is oh obviously like it's it's utterly terrifying so it is it is different and again it's that thing of of trying trying a different experience and trying different different kinds of writing 
Would you um, recommend that to anyone who wants to maybe be, be a writer or work in the arts just to try different different types of creative outlets? Absolutely. I would also I would also recommend stand up as a way to if if you're brave enough to do it as a kind of like confidence. I mean, this is a, this is a thing. Uh, a guy on our course on on the third on MA last year, Ollie, did yeah. some open mic. I think like the September or October of the course, and I thought to to expose yourself on stage like yeah, that in such yeah. a way to new peers mm. was you know socially could have been socially suicidal. It definitely but, takes a, a lot of confidence to be a stand-up I could not do it I don't think I've, I've done some acting before and I think that I can kind of get my head around that because you're being you're not you but like to have the brave you know courage to to walk on stage as yourself especially on some of the small venues like you must get you must have had some slaggings I'm sure uh no I mean I did I I did an amazing put down once I did get gonged off um so let me explain for anyone that doesn't know it that there's a thing called a gong night which basically they give three paddles to members of the audience and you have to last 10 minutes. But if, if they don't like what you're saying, they hold up a paddle. And if all three paddles go up, you're off oh, and you have to last terrifying. 10 minutes. And I, all my paddles got handed to, to three women. Mm. And I used to do a joke. It is funny. It's a very, very funny joke. And it's one of my favorites that I came up with. Bang, all at once, three of them. <laughs> I was off. I was like, ah, okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, you were silenced but I never got I never got uh, I mean yeah the one heckle I did get off another comedian is probably one of the best comebacks that I ever did <laughs> which I'm not I'm not going to repeat on this okay, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> well just thank first of all Chris thanks for coming on and being so honest about your experience because I know you, you from what you told me you, you always sort of have sometimes quite a pained expression when you talk about your um some of the you know things you'd had to go through in, in your you know pursuit of your creative dream and like I know you've been done some as you said hard things in your life but um have you got any tips for anyone who wants to maybe be well firstly who wants to be a screenwriter but also just anyone who wants to work in the arts as any role really as you've done so many you're a great person um, to ask I honestly I feel it would be I feel it would be disingenuous of me to offer advice because I'm not I'm not working and I'm not practicing at a level in a position where I think my advice would be worth anything because I am just like a small fry and like student guy. But what I would say is try any, like if you want to try an opportunity, try it. And also an important thing to remember is um, there's no right path, which yeah. I think I've learned speaking to so many different people and working with so many different people. There's so many different ways and, and things to try Yeah, that it's one of those like really, I suppose, well, actually funny enough, this is why we call, my my theatre project and um, there's so many intangible ways to do it so although I'm not I, I'm not really in a position to offer any advice but I suppose I would just say to people like if, if you want to do it try it do you know what I mean like if definitely and it will give you it will give you stories at the very least like me <laughs> and pained expressions when you when you talk apparently when you you know talk about it I, I think I might have to reword this question at the end of it because every guest that's been on so far when I've said that they'd all had a sort of sense of imposter syndrome and, you know, felt reluctant to give advice. And the sort of idea of this podcast is, I, I think, I know none of us, we're all kind of still trying to forge our path to, you know, get stable work in this industry mm -hmm. or to sort of feel like we're at a place in our career we're happy at. But I think we all have valid things to say. And I think you're putting, you're doing yourself a disservice because I, I definitely think you have, you know, anything you say is, is relevant because you've been and done a lot of it so well, what I would say then which I think has always been my operating philosophy is life's too short to be miserable mm. like I've always said if 
you know, I would rather I would rather be poorer and happy and well, you know, poor and doing silly things like this than sitting at you know people that do do this i admire them because life would be so much easier but sitting at a desk nine to five you know raking in a decent wage but you're sodding miserable you know so i would that's always been my operating procedures i'm i'm quite happy to like dick around and try stuff (laughs) and wet carpet (laughs) (laughs) so that yeah it sounds like a gross euphemism as well um but yeah I, i suppose that that would be something is it's yeah it's too short to be miserable so try stuff um, I mean, one of the regrets I have is I haven't traveled more, but mm. that's because I haven't had the money to travel because I've been arsing around doing this. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's a balance. And, you know, it's all about what makes you happy. And as I say, no disrespect to anyone who you has like a stable job and, and enjoys it. In fact, I'm, I envy you. Yeah, I do to a <laughs> point. Absolutely. Because it would just be so much easier. Yeah, well, Chris, you you so easy to talk to, and you got uh, like a lot of you know such good stories. So, but thank you very much for coming on and talking to us. I, I really enjoyed that. That's all right, man. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. It's nice. I mean, it is like you know restrictions. We ain't got much else to do, so it's nice just to have a chat. Yeah, if we ever have an opportunity, we'll definitely try and get you back on again, and we can talk a bit more stuff. Oh God, I'll have to try and do a bit more. I have something <laughs> else to talk about. Yeah, try try me in another twelve years. thank you for listening to today's episode of just get a real job i hope you enjoyed my conversation with chris i feel quite bad as we actually missed a few of the things we planned to talk about just because chris had so many great stories about his life but anyway i'm sure we can get him back on again or something but yeah if you're enjoying the podcast please give us a like on social media share the podcast subscribe we're on we're now on apple podcasts we're on spotify um, Podbean, we're all over the place Just pretty much most places you can get a podcast we're there, so go and find us subscribe, yeah, honestly all that stuff is so helpful at this early stage, but mostly as long as you're enjoying it, that's great anyway, I'll be back in next week for another episode, uh, so until then stay safe, and I'll see you next week Just get a real job.